Welcome back to the Big Freedom Show. I'm one of your hosts, Charlie Thompson. With me, as always, the king himself, John King, and your favorite Lispy Libertarian, Nate Thurston. Happy New Year's 2018, and we're excited to be back with you guys, although... It's been a while. It has. We did a Christmas episode, and I dropped the ball. I'll go ahead and take We're very upset about that, John. Yeah. It, uh... It was a good hang. Yeah. Did you guys have a good 2017 overall? So far, 2017 was good. <laughs> so far, <laughs> looking back, it was pretty looking good. Looking back on it so far. Okay, well, you haven't finished looking all the way no. back at 2017, so hopefully once you finish looking back on it, it will still be good yes. for sure. You, uh, you, your kid turned one during, during 2017. I now have a one-year-old. Yeah. I'm trying to catch up with you, Walking John. Walking around a little bit. <laughs> He's almost... He, it's so funny because he'll like want to walk towards you and he'll take like two steps and then it's like he forgets what he's doing and just falls. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure most kids do that, but did you guys get anything good for Christmas? Um, yes, I got new glasses. Nice. That's, That's good. important. Old people presents. Charlie, yeah. what did you get? Yeah, the older you get, you're like, just get me something I can use. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, ooh, nice underwear. Okay, nice. I'll take this. <laughs> I enjoy giving gifts, so I I gave some good gifts, which I like doing. Um, but I did, I got some money to go towards a new set of golf clubs. So I'm pretty pumped about that. I'm going to take go, them over to Top Golf. As soon as it gets out of, as soon as it gets into maybe the 30s here in Nashville, maybe I'll go get fitted. Uh, by the way, my pipes froze yesterday. Ooh. Did you guys have any of that? And then my, no. then my heater went out. So that's part of why we couldn't come back and do another show. It was 33 degrees in the studio. It's, Ooh. It, you had some heater problems too, Charlie. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Ooh, I'm kind of worried. I really don't want my heat to go out. Those capitalists are enjoying this season right now. Oh man, Those they're just taking advantage of surcharges. Us. Yep. You know well, what? Hats off to you guys. Considering <laughs> last winter, I think the low it got was like thirty. Yeah. And we've already seen we single hit six, digits, six degrees. Awful. So, man. Well, hopefully it's nice and warm wherever you guys are. You know, it will warm you up this week's. Whiskey, Whiskey of the, the week. week. Did you guys like that transition, by the way? I thought that was pretty good. Nailed about it. That warming worked. you up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this week we've got Weller Antique 107. So this is another Buffalo Trace product, which we're obviously big fans of here. This one's their uh, closer to barrel proof variety. I love it. You guys are in for a treat, or should I say we're in for a treat? Yeah. Because it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make you quite thirsty. But this is another weeded bourbon, and it's yum. I I really like that. And you said it was what, like thirty bucks for the bottle? Yeah, if you can find it. Okay, if if you can find the bottle, it's thirty. Here's the problem with this one: they don't really keep it on the shelves, or I guess consumers don't keep it on the shelves because I yeah. I saw it and bought three bottles. Um, one of which I gave to Charlie for a birthday present, and he was nice enough to bring it back to us for this week's whiskey. Thank you, Charlie. See, that's called uh, capitalism. And, give give, and give. giving. And we should note, this is a weeded bourbon. So huh. sometimes we have rye bourbons. This one's a weeded bourbon. Well. And it's sweet and delightful. Ratings? For the price, I mean, this has got to be a 10 out of a 10. For the price, I'm going to go 10 and a half out of 10. Oh. Is that allowed? Yes. Okay. Because we make the rules. That's right. And freedom and liberty. Yeah, that's right. Good. What um, you, you didn't chime in. I'll go 10. Okay. Yep. All right. So this is a buy from the Big Freedom Show, Weller Antique 107. Pick it up if you can find it. If you do find it, send us a bottle. That was your whiskey, whiskey of, of the, the week. week. We got to work on our synchronization there. Well, we'll get it. Yeah, I know. One okay. of these days. I think it's pretty good. We're all looking at each other, so it's kind of cheating. But I mean, 
three dudes saying the same words at the same time. Yeah, Con- congrats. We're going to roll out a new segment this week. <laughs> All right. Um, some of you guys may follow us on Twitter. Um, Nate has taken this under his wing. And we're going to call this segment Trolling with Nate. And um, I think... Just so everyone knows, so I can explain, I typically don't like to argue with people. And when I do argue with people, would you guys say I get heated and like overly uh, like mean and terrible and immature? Or would you say that I typically stay pretty even keel and... I would say you stay even keel to a maddening point. Yes. Um, that, it's sort of like a tactical nuclear weapon of intellect. Yeah. It's a little passive aggressive. Very passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's gold when you're on and the winning you, side. If you realize you shouldn't be getting mad because that's you devolving, but you don't know what else to do. Yeah. So the best way to win an argument is to not let the person you're arguing against uh, get you and in, in, in your feelings to use what the millennials will say these days. I feel like you're speaking to me directly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I will, I will say uh, these tweets are kind of, you know, this is me kind of social mining right now for people's emotions because I really want to figure out how to uh, get people on board with what we talk about here. And, and so, at this point, get people to talk. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out exactly where people's emotions will go and what they really feel deep down, because that's what's going to drive the way that they attack every conversation, however they do it. So trying to figure that yeah, out. So Charlie and I are going to do a dramatic reading of one of Nate's exchanges here. And um, this is something I want to tell you, you can look forward to in 2018, get excited about the big freedom show one of the new segments, Trolling with Nate, <laughs> and John and I are going to read these. Who's starting? How's it go? Okay, so Charlie is going to be the, uh, the victim here. I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll be the guy who first starts tweeting. His name is Francisco <laughs> Lewis White. And just to preface this, guys, uh, this is the day, uh, the day after the Erica Garner, the daughter of um, Eric Garner, uh, she died from it. She had a heart attack, and and um, I mean, it was kind of sudden. She was 27 years old. Um, so this, this was, was right a, afterwards. This was a trending topic on Twitter. And this is in no way anything that I said, anything negative towards Erica Garner or the fact that she died. It's about what this guy said in his tweet. So and it is sad. Yeah, right, anytime so someone ahead. dies, Charlie dies, we as care Francisco. What cuts me so deep about Erica Garner's health situation is that she spent her priceless last bit of time fighting this system. At 27, she should have been able to enjoy youth, backpack across the globe like white folks do in their 20s, laugh more than she had to fight America. I've never backpacked around the globe. Is there some white person backpacking sign up I missed? F you, how about that? There it is. Now you're solving the world's problems. Just throw a little more hatred out there. That's how we've always achieved peace throughout the years. Just say F you to the person you disagree with. Compelling and rich. As if your dumbass comment added anything, (laughs) get the F out of here. (laughs) Nailed it, man. You're making real change. Good job. You've almost brought me to your point of view with your insight and knowledge. (laughs) And that's been this week's Trolling with Nate. So, Nate, there's the fun one. I think you've got another interesting discussion that was spawned from this. I do. That was kind of a that was kind of a joke conversation there. The guy obviously didn't didn't want to talk to me. And uh, I'm going to sign up for my backpacking trip. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to go on my white person backpacking. Did you guys ever go backpacking around the globe? By the way, 
I, I didn't make it out of the state. Okay. No well, one's uh, no one's offered that to me yet, so maybe it's coming. I well, don't know. I'm thinking I'm going to need to do that ancestry DNA thing because I've really you not, might not be white I mean, enough. That's the thing. I I think that maybe I haven't had enough of my white privilege, and it could be because I'm not completely white. But well, we'll figure it out. We'll fix you up with Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks and. Uh, you know, Starbucks and Nordstrom's. <laughs> so I also jumped in some other conversations. One thing I did, it's really funny if you're on Twitter and you see uh, an ad from a company, everyone on there is just attacking the company. And that that's mainly what they do. And if you want to see what, what we say to these people, just go to at Big Freedom Show. If you want to follow along right now, just get on at Big Freedom Show, get on Twitter, at Big Freedom Show, check it out. Yeah. If you chime in, we might read you as part of Trolling with Nate. Yeah. So this is your time for some airtime. There you go. Uh, so I went, there was an ad from Walmart. They were advertising something for Christmas. And of course, on an ad for Walmart, what do you get as responses? Uh, it was all pay your people a decent living wage, $15 an hour, and then I'll go shop at Walmart. And that was probably half of the tweets to Walmart was about how terrible they are as a company. Would you guys agree that Walmart is maybe one of the most hated companies in the in the world? Yeah, they're they're kind of looked at as a a beacon for bad wages and poor working conditions. When people say evil corporations like Walmart's <laughs> the, like one of the first ones that pops up. But it's got to be one of the first ones. They employ a ton of people. <laughs> they do. Uh, 2.3 million people to be exact, just so you know. And and I looked all this up. This is from marketwatch.com and from tradingview.com. I, I have subscriptions to both services and you can actually get access to every publicly traded company's financial records. So if you ever wanted to do some digging on your own, all of that stuff is free information on the internet. And this is what I did. I wanted to figure out if Walmart could actually pay their employees this $15 an hour. Because I think a misconception about them is that they're making so much money and they're just stockpiling all this cash and making tons and tons of profit that they, they're just this greedy, evil, rich corporation that, that doesn't care about their employees. But I'm going to show you a reason that that may not be the case. And what I see here, the most surprising fact to me, is that Walmart's net profit for the year of 2017, what do you, if you're listening right now, go ahead and say what you think their net profit, in a percentage, what, per, what percentage profit do you think they made? The, one of the biggest retail corporation in the world. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, if I had to make a guess based <laughs> off, you know, the Forbes list typically is, a Fortune 500 company like that typically makes seven, eight, nine percent profit. Yeah, so um, that would be understood that you would think that Walmart's profit margin for 2017 is 2.83 percent. So they do it all through volume. Yeah. So they, so they just make a tiny bit, but they've got a ton of stores. They make a very, very small margin on all their products. That's why everything is so cheap there, but they've got almost 20,000 stores. So when you have 20,000 stores that tons of people are going to every day, you can make a 2% profit margin on all of them because that times 20,000 stores ends up equaling billions of dollars. So... Where are we going here? What do you got, Charlie? It's almost like office space, you know, when they, they were just taking half a penny, you know, yeah. from the company. Nobody would miss it, and then it ended up being millions of dollars. Yeah, over time, it adds up to a ton, but it doesn't mean that they just took a million dollars right off the bat from the... Well, they accidentally did an office office space, you know, a few hundred thousand, but... Um, 
anyway, it doesn't mean that they just take that right off the bat. It's that over time, that portion of a penny adds up to a ton of money, which is uh, the case with Walmart. So anyway, long story short here, I did the math on whether or not Walmart can afford to pay their employees $15 an hour. So the average pay for an employee at Walmart, just so you know, is around $10.50 an hour across their around 15,000 stores. Um, And they've got 2.3 million employees. So the important part here is that if you look at what hour, what, how many hours a week do you think we can, we can average with that? I did about 30, about 30 hours a week for average for the employees. So over the, over the year, that comes out to about 1,800 hours in a year that someone works, and that puts them about $18,000 a year that they're, that they're making. That's not a lot of money. And we know not many of them can yeah. go much over 30 because then they'd have to be provided health care. Absolutely. So, so 30 is a good number. They're not going to get over 30. But here's the crazy part. They have 2.3 million employees, and their average pay is ten fifty an hour. If you were to raise their average pay up to $15 an hour, it would actually cost the company an additional $16.26 billion per year to pay all of their employees $15 an hour. And actually, to get more complicated, if you include FICA taxes on that, it actually comes out to $17.5 billion that it would cost Walmart to pay all of their employees. And the important part here, remember, that's $17 billion more to pay $15 an hour their profit for 2017, I've got it right here on their financial statement, $13 billion is how much profit they made in 2017, meaning they literally do not make enough money to pay their employees $15 an hour. So the natural thing here is we could, of course, cut the CEO pay. Thank you for going there, John. That is exactly what I have written right here on the corner. almost like I saw that coming. The first thing you go to in your head, and you're listening right now, and you're thinking... Well, they pay their CEO millions of dollars. They can afford to pay their workers more. That is actually a ridiculous statement, just so we know. Their CEO, Doug McMillan, makes $22.4 million a year. That's a lot of money. But guess what? They've got 2.3 million employees. Meaning if you took their CEO's salary and you made it zero, you paid their CEO zero dollars a year, and you took all of that money and you divided it out between all of their employees, it would equal exactly $9.73 per year that each person would make. And using our 30-hour-a-week chart, that comes to just about a half a cent more per hour that they could afford to pay if they paid their CEO $0 per year. And the important part here is that if we're like, well, good, they can, they can afford to lose some money. They, they should pay the $17 billion more, even though they're only taking in $13 billion every single year. That puts them at a loss. It was actually 17.5. It puts them at a loss at about $5 billion a year. Now, Walmart's got about $50 billion in cash on hand, meaning they could only afford to lose that money for about 10 years before the actual Walmart corporation is bankrupt. And that's assuming that they don't lose any investors or stock price during that time that they're losing money. Meaning, if you want to just decide that they can pay that money and lose $5 billion a year, 
you would actually get rid of Walmart and their 2.3 million jobs, not counting all of the different companies that supply to Walmart and however many jobs that is, just because you wanted to pay someone a living wage, which the real living wage, the real minimum wage is always zero all the time, which is what you would get to right there. That's all I got for you. Hey, who knew a life lesson like this would come from Twitter? <laughs> yeah, just so, from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, try you know, try shooting something over at Nate, see what comes back. Might make it on the show. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, you might you, cry too. But. How'd you put all that emotional unfairness to the side and look at logic like that? <laughs> well, I just, I don't know, man. I guess maybe either I don't have any emotions, or. I do care about people and I want the jobs to continue and I want us to continue having a cheap place to go whenever you're, you know, when I'm real broke, I go shop at Walmart. I typically don't go to Walmart because I don't enjoy the atmosphere overall, but when I'm real broke, I will do my grocery shopping at Walmart. And I think it's important that people have that as an option. And if they were to raise it to $15 an hour, the only thing, the only way that Walmart could actually do that is they would have to raise their prices. Yeah, or they would have to cut out a ton of employees and replace and them with people, machines. And then people, there'd be an uproar about the prices going up at Walmart and the poor people not being able to afford anything. And Which then, effect, that affects way more than 2.3 million people. I mean, think about how many millions of people shop at Walmart. If their prices were to go up... Then you've, you're affecting way more than just the 2 million people. You've probably got 300 million people that have gone to Walmart and shopped there at some point in time in the last few years. But... On top of that, if you raise the minimum wage to 15, you got to remember Walmart buys a lot of their supplies from other people. Those people are going to raise their wages, meaning Walmart's costs are going to go up because those people are going to have to raise the price of their products. A, a little bit of understanding goes a really long way here. It's With some not, of these suggestions, they're just they end up just being asinine when you put them to the test. So the goal here is and what I'm trying to get to on Twitter by I'm really trying to get in the people's emotions and see how they feel. You can't let your emotions drive your economic policy. And that's one of the reasons that we really can't let the government drive our economic policy all the time, because you never know, one, who's going to be in control of the government, and two, whether or not, I mean, are they even an economist? Do they even know what they're doing, but they can control the economy? That's a pretty dangerous situation. But that's all I got on that. Well, um, Charlie, your favorite friend, the Tariff Daddy, is back in the news. Oh, Tariff Daddy. Yeah. Trumple Stillskin is uh, at it again with some more tariffs. <laughs> um, I just wanted to make sure we hit some of these. Uh, Canada, we talked about the lumber tariff a little while back and how happy I am about that. So since Trump came in and decided to protect the U.S. mills and paper industry and lumber industry, uh, lumber prices are up about 36% year over year. That makes it very affordable to build things here right now. And now Canada is actually filing appeals with various trade commissions. Um, and, and the government there is saying this is harmful to Canada's lumber producers, workers, and communities and adds to the cost of home building, renovations, and other, and other projects that affect middle class families. This is breaking news. <laughs> wow. <laughs> America first, though, John. <laughs> yeah. And so they go on to say in this article, which it is from The Hill, they go on to say that uh, talks are ongoing and the final rework of NAFTA is underway and a lumber deal is expected to be settled separately. This decision slaps tariffs on Canadian lumber that is already royal, uh, already roiled intense NAFTA talks and are set to continue till the middle of January. So the tariff averages 20.83% on Canadian lumber products 
most of which are for building homes in the United States. So there's one. This is a big week in tariffs, so I'll try not to bore you guys. <laughs> I looked at uh, buying a Canadian guitar today, by the way, and don't even think about it. Not possible. The The price has gone... How much, Charlie, did we say the price has gone up since last time we bought one? It's at least 100%. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's not more. Yeah, they're, they're handmade in Canada, and uh, can't do it. What brand is handmade in uh, Canada? Larve. Oh, I love those. Oh, yeah, they're amazing, but they, only, their price has gone up two or three times. Not only that, but you're never going to get to build your house, are you, John? I'm, you know, <laughs> no. not, not, if, not if Trump I want to bring up a sore subject. I know. But. It's, I, I was trying to stay away from that so I didn't have to visit the Whiskey of the Week again, but... Um, <laughs> You know, he also used, he's using tariffs as a way to go after some of his favorite people. Um, Trump is slapping a tariff on newsprint paper that could jeopardize, jeopardize small town papers. So this one is from, uh, this article I'm reading comes from the Oregon Business News. Newsprint prices has jumped since October to a three-year high and may keep increasing, as expected, if President Donald Trump slaps duties on imported paper from Canada next month. <laughs> Man, he really doesn't like Canada, does I know. he? America's, <laughs> America's... <laughs> How do you make America great again? Make get, Canada <laughs> Make Canada suck. worse. They get three quarters, <laughs> That's the goal. The make... news industry gets three quarters of the paper from Canada. Three quarters of it that gets used in the U.S., says the Wall Street Journal. And um, That was actually an amazing point, Charlie. Just that I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> Instead of finding a way to actually make America great and competitive with other people, we're literally just trying to destroy the competition It's instead. all relative, right? Yeah. Just put other people down. Yeah. That's how you get ahead in life. The article goes on to say that prices will probably rise even further in 2018 since it's pretty much a guarantee that the U.S. will impose countervailing duties of 15 to 25%. So your newspapers are now going to be getting a little bit more expensive. Well, that's really going to hurt my pocketbook. I feel like this is like Obama going after the uh, the ammo. You know, yeah. he's like, I can't figure out how to take down the fake news <laughs> media, so I'm going to steal their paper. So <laughs> do, you, do you think this is, he's he's decided that the newspaper outlets are all pretty liberal, and it's he's a, trying to make them unaffordable, or make them go out of business, I, you think? I don't know if it's that nefarious, or if he's just <laughs> hateful of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just really doesn't like Canadians. <laughs> It's all that talk about Trudeau being good looking. He's not a fan of this. Oh, that's it. He's um, not getting the same love that Trudeau gets. And Man. then uh, one other thing here. This is the last part of Tariff Watch this week. Uh, we talked about the solar tariff, which also impacted the building of my house. <laughs> Man. Um, and this article says that uh, imports boom as the solar tariff deadline looms. And the ITC reaffirms its position. So I'm not going to really read much of this article, but basically they've gone through and said that the solar tariff is definitely happening. And so the Canadian suppliers are just like jetting as much stuff in as possible. They're stockpiling. <laughs> and so even a lot of American companies that resell using parts of uh, Chinese solar panels, they may get the, get the module from China, but they build everything else here in America. They used an example of a company in Indiana that's just saying, we don't know what the heck we're going to do because we're not going to be able to be competitive because they source part of their product overseas. And, and apparently, I, this is strange, he's also going after washing machines. Ooh, yeah, those have been a big problem for a while. They're, they're doing a lot of harm. They mm -hmm. maybe don't have a big enough button. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so he's going after washing machines as well. People are now stockpiling washing machines to be resold after the tariffs go into place. Well, because the best ones are made in Japan. <laughs> I mean, I'll take an LG. 
I really do hope that if he does do anything to washing machines, he uh, takes those efficiency machines and just burns them all in a big pile together. Have you ever used one of those before? It's a moldy situation. We have one of those Samsungs. It's like high efficiency, uses about 18 drops of water to wash your clothes. And Is I that s- the first or the fourth time you wash them to try to get them That's clean? It. We normally have to wash things two or three times. And we just we look in there during the middle of the load, and there's no water in there. Like Things are still dry. And, uh, the, you know, the machine might as well just have, like, a smiley face on it because, like, yeah, I'm not using any water. Isn't this good? And newsflash, uh, we're in Tennessee. We've yeah, got plenty of water. We've got water here, everyone. Uh, and what we don't have are, are clean clothes, I guess. But we'll see what he does with the washing machine. So I'll keep you guys posted. I'm sure it looks like, especially he's, you know, gearing up for a fight with NAFTA. So we're going to have to cover that and see how good that's going to be for us. Um, you know, I'm hoping to be able to start building my house by 2020. <laughs> it depends on if Trump's reelected. We'll see. Good luck with that, man. I really hope. So that what we don't like, I mean, I'm not a, I'm really not a fan of tariffs. Like I really don't like them. Um, I think that you guys might be slightly more okay with them than I am, but basically the best thing for an economy and the best thing for everyone is that we get everything at the cheapest price we can so we can buy the most amount of different things that we can. Which I should clarify. I'm, somewhat okay with tariffs as an alternative as a broad alternative to a, a other an income tax or some other form of tax stacking the first of all not applying it evenly stupid makes no sense at all and on top of an income tax not a fan of that at all so yeah. just wanted to clarify there but the best thing that would happen is if in an, in an industry, let's say that we have an industry that fails because China does it better, what should happen is that a new industry pops up in its place and we do what we do best and they do what they do best. What stops that are crazy high business taxes, crazy high minimum wage, all of these things that stop businesses from forming and it causes this issue where you're like, oh, we're losing all of our jobs. What you're seeing are the lost jobs. What you should be thinking about are the jobs that should be popping up in their place that aren't popping up. And that's what we want to see. Right. We want to see whenever a GM factory goes out of business, Tesla goes in and starts using that factory. That's what should happen here. Yeah, and this just evolves. It just isn't happening. And that's the problem that we need to attack is why is a new business not popping up in its place and and giving everyone a job that used to have a job at GM or, or whatever it is? Well, that's because we've made it nearly impossible to be a business in America. And, and these all of days. these new businesses that have opened up that are trying to be competitive businesses in the solar industry. Well, they're trying to get started, but you know, so, and that tariff is helping like two solar companies and it's two hurting of the, the larger rest of them. American companies. Right. So basically they wanted to fix prices so they didn't have to compete because they weren't efficient enough. And so the anyway, government not a big fan of that. The government shouldn't be in the game of picking favorites. No, right? not, one company over the other one industry over another it shouldn't just pick an industry and decide that it's going to save it at the it does that at the expense of another industry every single time speaking of our favorite tariff daddy trump sent the media crazy this morning all because of kim jong-un apparently on new year's eve in a speech said that reading from the article here that he had a nuclear launch button at his desk and that the international community would have to accept North Korea's status, status as a nuclear armed nation as a reality. So President Trump responded on Twitter like he always does. And he said, will someone from his depleted and food starved regime, please inform him that I too have a nuclear button, that it is much bigger and more powerful one than his and my button works. So of course, so the he media. has a bigger button and bigger hands. 
Yeah. And yeah, and the button works <laughs> and everything about this. So I don't I don't really understand what the uproar is about. I guess it's because the president's never really threatened nuclear warfare over Twitter. I mean really everyone's <laughs> gotta has be a to, first for sure. This is, like a, this is like a button measuring contest. Yeah. But everyone has to understand literally Trump is doing this just to fire up his base. That's really it. I don't I really don't think Trump is crazy enough to actually, you know, push the nuclear button. You know, he did drop the Moab in Syria, which were which we're all against. I think he but, was just trying out all of his new toys. He's like, Oh, we haven't <laughs> yeah. used this one yet. Huh. Huh. Perfect. <laughs> but and two, if you look at what Kim Jong un said at the end, he said that everyone is going to have to accept North Korea's status as a nuclear-armed nation as a reality. And so this shows that Kim Jong-un really just wants a, really just wants a seat at the table. That's what he said. So in looking some of this stuff up, just to kind of go a little bit deeper into North Korea and what should happen, because you have some people on the right and even some people on the left saying um, we should start a preemptive strike. You know, North Korea has been doing all these missile testing and they're you know, launching missiles over Japan and into the sea. And so they're like, we really need a preemptive strike to stop them from doing this. And honestly, I have to say that I don't necessarily disagree with that if the intelligence shows that North Korea is actually threatening and they have the means to do so. So you mean kind of like the WMDs in Iraq? It, now that's a false flag. It's different. Even, even in Syria... Right when he dropped the bomb in Syria, even the uh, uh, a head scientist at MIT said that it's obvious that Assad didn't create a, a chemical attack. It was they attacked a warehouse that ended up having chemicals in it, and the United States used that bad intelligence to justify breaking the treaty. By the way, of bombing Syria, North Korea is different. Number one, because we don't have that treaty, and I I found something from Judge. Andrew Napolitano that I really liked. And a lot of libertarians always talk about the NAP, which is the non-aggression principle, right? We shouldn't use force against anyone. And I agree with that, except for <coughs> you have to have an ability for self-defense, right? And Andrew Napolitano goes on to say that in this video that I found, he was talking to Kennedy on Fox Business, and he said, North Korea has threatened the United States, and American intelligence sources believe that North Korea could reach L.A., so if that is the case, and if North Korea continues to threaten the U.S. and then test fires rockets, which manifests the ability to carry out that threat, that triggers a legal right for the president to conduct a preemptive strike to destroy their ability to carry out that attack. Now, they can't target soldiers or citizens or anything like that, but what he can do is target their missile launching pads or things like that to make sure they take out that threat. But has, have a preemptive strike, yeah, has a preemptive strike ever worked out well for us so far? Um, well, I mean, you could look at, well, I, I guess you wouldn't call it preemptive, but, you know, we did drop a couple bombs in Japan that, uh, you know, some people would probably like to have back, but then that was other definitely people... definitely not preemptive. Yeah, they, I mean... They kind of poked the bear on that one. It was kind of... say that in a non-joking manner. Yeah, but I have to ask, if North Korea has nuclear weapons, which they don't right now, they don't have the ability to actually tie a nuclear weapon to a missile and launch it, they have increase their ballistic missile capabilities. But if they were to, if intelligence shows that they have a nuclear warhead, that they're able to attach to a missile and they can reach Hawaii or LA, it is it okay for... I, I would say no. Still no. I, I think that as painful as this is, 
you know, we can't, it's sort of like pre-crime that you're talking about here. Just because someone might do something doesn't mean they're going to. I feel like he's doing a lot of posturing to, to try I, to look like a big band to his I people. do believe that it is just a lot of talk. And, and you I kind of... I you, believe that too. You alluded to that at the, end, at the end of a statement was that everyone needs to accept that North Korea is a nuclear power. And that, that's what he's saying. And, and that he didn't say at the end of that, everyone needs to accept that we're going to destroy every country in the world here pretty soon. This would be like if people were but, reading Trump, Trump's tweets that he's he, just, you know, shooting from the hip with and going yeah. to war with us based on what he's saying. It's, now, it's, I also do, I'm kind of, you know, I've been on the fence and I know we said we were going to talk about North Korea today and I, I've been on the fence about what I believe we should do because if they're, if they show that they have the capability to actually hit us, and I don't mean uh, our territories on the other side of the world because then you can get into the question of should we have those territories, you know, that's, that that's that kind of thing, but um. I'm talking if, harming American if, lives. If they're saying they're going to actually drop a bomb on L.A. and they show that they have the ability to do it, and then they say we're we're going to do this, this is coming. Um, I actually I do think that that opens it up to the to the option. Um, but but shouldn't we have the ability? <clears throat> just like you said, they have the ability to do it. You know, we really should have the ability to counter that once it's already in motion. Yeah, the, I mean with. The size of our military and the amount of money we spend on it, we should be able to take it down. Take over the down Pacific a first Ocean. generation. Well, I actually read the um, what's that missile defense? The free the Patriot missile mm-hmm. system, uh, which is a defense system against other missiles. It was actually had a really uh, surprisingly low accuracy About 50%. rate, fifty percent. Yeah. Um, now just send like ten of them up there, and and there's you know, also the one thad, of them's hit. which we have, but. We don't really have the entire seaboard. They also covered. said that an F twenty two could, uh, or an F thirty five could trail the rocket and shoot it down, and that would actually be the highest likelihood. But it would be a pretty bad day. Um, I think for it's the pilot. such a big deal because, really, from what I've heard, and now you know I'm accessing public information here, like the rest of us, a traditional strike wouldn't really work here because they would just wipe Seoul out. So, really, you would almost be talking about some sort of a nuclear strike from us. Yeah, which I mean, at that point, now that I'm not okay with. I'm not okay with preemptively nuclear striking somebody. Well, from what I yeah. understand, they no. have so much artillery on the border that Seoul would just be disintegrated within minutes before we could even get anything in there. And that's millions of people dead. So really, our only option would literally be from this is what I'm hearing from these you know pinheads on TV, talking heads anyway. Yeah, <laughs> probably pinheads too. <laughs> yeah, that you know it would really be some sort of a nuclear strike, and I wouldn't be okay with that at all unless they actually did something. Yeah, I can I can get with that too. Um and we also have to know, I mean, if they did anything to us, uh, the whole the whole North Korea that we would level the place and within a inside of a day, it it would just be gone. I think we should note that I I think America is not divided on military action when it's actually in defense. Yeah, if we're actually in fear for our lives, I mean, yeah. I, the day that they announced that um, that they had the capability of getting a missile to LA that, that actually, I thought about it that day and I was like, well, man, if, if they're saying that they're going to do it and they have the capability to do it, then how long do you just wait for them to do it? I mean, I feel like you if, know? if Americans die at any point, all of a sudden the public is a hundred percent behind it. There's no debate and <clears throat> this isn't much of a, an argument at all. Yeah. I, I guess I just personally don't really like the preemptive strike idea. 
I, I can definitely, uh, I'm on both sides of the argument right now. I really don't know which one is the better course. And I want to say I'm against war at all costs. Avoid war at all costs because it's ugly and disgusting. And it's, it's really just probably the worst thing man's ever invented. But at the same time, you have to defend yourself. And you can't say, you know, even Napolitano says here, you don't have to wait for your own side to suffer. You know, we don't have to wait for them to drop a nuclear bomb on L.A. and kill a few million people before we decide we need to defend ourselves. If they have the capability and they're threatening and saying, I'm going to do this, then I think that it's okay to try to thwart but that what, attack. But what if doing that does, like, we do need to look at it this way. Now, granted, our country looks out for itself, but we pretty much have promised South Korea that we're going to take care of them. And so if in doing that, millions of people are going to die... I, do you still think that's a viable option? It, it well, so millions of people in in, Korea, Seoul. in Seoul, in Korea dying, or millions in of people South in LA Korea. dying. I mean, what what side are we going to choose here? And and I hate. I think all human life is valuable, but we're not the ones necessarily picking the fight here. We're not the ones threatening North Korea, saying, "Hey." We're, you know, we have the capability and we're going to drop a nuclear bomb on you because we can. Well, I think if they have a bird in the air heading our direction, that's different than all of a sudden we think, oh, well, you might be able to do this. But do you take that risk that we're not able to shoot it down? I don't know. I'm not a big fan of pre-crime. Yeah. (laughs) The the issue with this argument and I, and I do, your, your minority report references are, are on par right now for sure. (laughs) On point. Doing good. Um, But we... We could use that argument for a lot of other wars and even the war on terror and the war, you know, all of these other ones where they said that they want to destroy us. And then they'll look at 9-11. See, they actually found a way to do it. And then um, so doesn't that open us up to where if, uh, you know, Muslims across, uh, you know, across the world decide that they want to destroy Americans? Well, aren't we just open to going over there and preemptively fighting them now because they said they want to do it. That's a valid point. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm still, I'm literally arguing both sides right now because I, I'm just glad I'm not in the position with the button on the desk right now. Regardless of big or small. Yeah, whatever size the button is, um, <laughs> I don't want to be the one to push it at all. And uh, honestly, leaving that up to... Uh, one executive politician is probably pretty scary, too. I, honestly, I just don't see this ending well. <laughs> no. it, it's going to be, something's going to happen. Uh, unless someone can somehow remove him from power internally, like his own people. Although I, I, did, I thought the same thing. I thought when Kim, Kim Jong-il died, I thought for sure that he would have some kind of trigger in his hand that when he let his, let his hand off the button, that the, the whole place would just, you know, they would destroy everyone. And, uh, you know, that wasn't the case. They just passed the buck to... The next guy, and this could just be all rhetoric. It could just be them wanting to be powerful. Maybe they just want to have free trade, and they want some goods to be let into their country so they can so they can function. Um, I don't know that they exactly have proven that they deserve that, but that could be all they're positioning for is and some kind of free again, trade. We should say the people of North Korea. We're not talking about that at all. Those no. poor people. You know, they have no food, they're malnourished, they don't have any opportunity or any economy. This is just that regime. And we'll remember, whenever we put trade restrictions on the country to hurt them, we're only we're only hurting the people in the country. I don't know if you guys have seen pictures, but Kim, Kim Jong-un is fat. He can eat. And the people of North Korea are, what, 30% smaller than the people in South Korea? They have stunted growth. And then, yeah. you know, the, the guy that defected a few weeks ago, he had 
stomach worms. Yeah. So Kim Jong Un does not care about the people. Um, and the only thing that us restricting all trade with North Korea does is just continue to hurt the people. Because he he's going to get everything that he needs. And then he's still going to, con- he controls the food that is there. So they just look to him even harder to it's, stay alive. It's so unfortunate because, yes, you could argue that sanctions do eventually work, but they just murder the population for so long before it ever hits the upper echelon of the regime. Yeah. And he's able to use that to to brainwash the people in North Korea right, to believe that we them. are the enemy, that he's not the enemy. He's the one that's trying to feed them and keep them alive. And the rest of the world, America, are, are trying to destroy them. And uh, it it works for a long time. We've seen it happen. So send us your thoughts on that. Info at thebigfreedomshow.com. Let us know what you think <laughs> on what should happen uh, with North Korea and President Trump tweeting about his bigger button. Yeah, or if you have a, a better idea about this, let us know. So I think we got one more segment for this week. Um, during our annual Christmas party, first annual, um, we sort of went over some ideas and goals and things we wanted to see the show do this year. And one of the things that I sort of brought up was a lot of times we reference, hey, we think government should be smaller or taxation is theft or things like that. And I thought it might be a good idea for us to sort of outline exactly what we mean by that. Because some context is usually a good thing. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And so this week, I think we're going to talk about just sort of our general thoughts on government. And, you know, why do we have government? What should it do? And kind of go from there. Those then, are pretty good questions. So I will start with, what is the primary function of government? Why do we have one? Well, John... In the, in, I'll start, Nate. Okay, you go ahead. <laughs> well, in the Declaration of Independence, they made it very clear that governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the government to protect rights, essentially, was why government is established. It's a necessary evil to protect the rights of people, <coughs> the natural rights of people, which is life, liberty, property. Man, you just hit two questions with one there. (laughs) Yeah, the next question had to do with the Constitution. So uh, I was actually going to say the same thing. The the job of the government is to ensure life, liberty, and property um, is protected, are protected for all of the citizens. So in my opinion, what that looks like right now is we're looking for, and I'm going to be super practical here, we're looking for a shared defense of our nation and enough rule of law for us to conduct free trade inside of our, for us to be able to earn a living and pursue property. Yeah. So if I start a, if I start a business, um, that, that I'm selling, uh, chairs and another person in town decides that they want to sell chairs, uh, they can't come to my business and set it on fire and then become the person who sells chairs. Right. Um, <laughs> it's be- probably happened a time or two, Yeah, but uh, it's not supposed to. So the government is here, and obviously there are rules against arson and all kinds of other things, and they're supposed to protect the people so they can have their own liberty, their own freedom to, to live their lives the way that they see fit without hurting the other people around them. And uh, the, that's a big difference in um, if the other guy moved into town and became more efficient at building chairs and puts me out of business, not quite the same so thing a as basic, burning a me basic down. basic rule of law, essentially protecting self and property. Mm-hmm. And then we've got coining money, having some medium of exchange. 
Is that something you expect from your government or like seeing from your government? Um, I think that, you know, having an agreed upon currency is probably a, a good thing. Now, um, having the freedom to just print unlimited amounts and inflate un- unlimited amounts no, I, of I that currency. I completely agree with you there. Um, so, so the, not good. Uh, the original idea of, say, the greenback or some <laughs> sort of means of exchange we could establish, that's something the government is useful for. Yeah. So that way we can all engage in trade without it being just a huge and at the at the federal level, it helps commerce between the states, right? Even, yep. You know, in back before this was back before this happened, states had different currencies, and it was a little difficult to <laughs> trade back yeah. and forth between different states. Yeah, yeah. When I go to Illinois, I'm trying to use Tennessee money, and and we my don't, Virginia bucks are no good here. <laughs> yeah, and they and they don't care because they don't want Tennessee money. So California yeah. jacked the exchange exchange rate way up. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's a. It would be a mess. It is probably good to have one uh, standard currency for the country. What does yeah. the Constitution say the federal government is responsible for? So we kind of answered this in the first one, but I also want to point out James Madison said, the powers delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined. War, peace negotiations, and foreign commerce. So those are the three main things that... Our founders got together and said, hey, because you have to think about back in their day, the only way you could do foreign trade or anything like that, other nations had kings and kings didn't talk to common people. So they said, we need a way to defend ourselves, war, and we can't do it by individual states because we don't have enough people to fight nations like Great Britain and France. And it would be incredibly inefficient as well. Exactly. So that was one. And then the other one was foreign trade because... Kings wouldn't meet with common people, so they had to find a way to establish some form of government so they could establish a form of trade back in those days. So that, And I really don't have a problem with that. Obviously, we talked about tariffs earlier, you know, and, and there's good and bad from that. But, you know, you need some sort of nation or, or federal uh, structure. S- structure and, I guess, stature, if you will. To sort of created a dignitary system right. for our republic. And and back then, that was the only way to really do it. Now, I mean, we don't really have kings and queens, so it's a little bit different. But I still think that's, you know, that was one of the primary roles of the federal government constitutionally. And another thing we should note is that the federal government here, this is meant to be a very limited list of things that it's doing. This is basically some overall protections for the individual regardless of what state you're in. And everything else was meant to be left to the states because the states were meant to be essentially their own countries. Because the the states, you know, they existed and they decided that, you know, they chose to come together and form the federal government. It, it just was all separate state governments. And they, they came together to form a federal government because they knew that they all needed to be together in times of war and peace treaties and uh, trade and things like this, that they would need to all come together to do this. And that's the only reason they created the federal government in the first place. The states were supposed to take care of everything else. This is a very loose organization. Yeah. It was like joining a club with a couple of, you know, a couple of jobs to make things easier. Well, and it wasn't supposed to become this huge monster on all on its own that controlled everything. It was all supposed to be ran by the states. And it's like, you know, everyone here coming together. And when we make a decision about something, it's not that the big freedom show is this crazy animal that makes decisions for everyone. It's that the three of us in here come together and make a decision about something. And it's, 
that's the way it was supposed to be. And I want to say people get confused on that because <laughs> in school, I remember them teaching me about the supremacy clause saying that the federal government is supreme over the states. And that's absolutely wrong because when you read the supremacy clause, it reads this constitution and the United States laws made in pursuance thereof are the supreme law of the land, which is the supremacy clause. But the key words in there is that the United States laws made in pursuance of the Constitution. And James Madison said anything contrary to the Constitution is null and void. So the United States laws that they've made and agencies that they've made and things like that that go against what the actual Constitution is are supposed to be null and void. They shouldn't exist, but they don't teach you that in school. The government doesn't teach you that in school on purpose. The Supremacy Clause was meant to be so limited, it was meant to keep the states from being able to deprive these certain very few rights and protections from the people. Um, so after the Constitution, the, the next thing we have is what do we personally expect from our government? Protection of liberty. That's yeah. it. That's it. What about you, John? So we want our freedoms insured. Yes. We want a safe place to do business and a safe you know, place where we're not being attacked. Now, by freedoms insured, you mean your freedom to have your neighbor's money sent to your door against their will? Not exactly. I just mean, once again, these uh, basic few things that are enumerated. Okay. All right. Um, Yeah, I wrote down uh, answers to this. I said, uh, keep me safe and stay out of my way. That's what I wrote down. And when you say keep me safe, that's, once again, it's just basic rule of law. Yeah. And then foreign invasion, foreign attack. Yeah. Not safe from myself, safe from other people trying to do me physical harm. And, and here's where it gets interesting. I think as far as the federal government goes, that's about all it needs to be. That's it. And Nothing else. We could throw the, the money system in. We'll add that. That, that makes sense. They need mm-hmm. some means of exchange. But other than that, everything's meant to be left to the states. That's where that principle of federalism comes from. That was good. The next one is a, what, what's a fair amount to pay to fund the government. And Nate's warming up his tactical nuclear weapon for me. I got it for you. <laughs> I got the he's button got on my desk. written down. I'm scared. Yep. <laughs> and, and honestly, we would need a big think tank to go over this. And okay, so we've just outlined what we want out of the government. We want safety and a free means to do commerce. Mm-hmm. And, um, we would have to go through and break out how much that costs to provide those basic services. Because right now we have an albatross of a government with so much stuff that shouldn't even be involved. We know it's not $4.1 trillion. And we know we that know no that. one should be paying 40% of what they make. Yeah, and the way, what I would actually like to see happen, since we talked about the fact that we were supposed to be 50 separate countries that came together, and we all said, hey, why don't we, uh, you, when we're all together, we're going to call it the federal government. That's all of us together. And that, that thing's job is to make sure that everyone here is safe from other countries' invasion. But basically, we want to create a military. So, uh, and we'll, you know, maybe we'll have someone who's going to uh, negotiate treaties. And we'll do, do things like that um, for the good of the entire nation. Other than that, the states are going to take care of everything. So, what I would like to see are the states taking taxes... And then since the government is really just the creation of the states, I would like all the states to equally put in towards what is created. Kind of a membership called, fee. 
Exactly, towards what is called the federal government. Instead of money going to the federal government, and then they get to decide, and then they send the money back out to the states, it needs to go to the states. The states created the federal government, so they pay their dues to be called the federal could, government. And, and to that's be fair, it. that could probably be something that's indexed like per capita or something like that, because more people in a bigger state are getting more protection. Yeah, And so, based on the proportion of the population, the state would then... Yeah, yeah, you don't have to pay the electoral college. Yeah, Yeah, like the electoral college. Yeah, so uh, your electoral college vote times a million is the amount of money that you owe to be uh, accepted into the United States federal government as a state. And as long as you pay that, you're protected by uh, our military. And uh, we'll negotiate treaties that also have to do with your state protected as well at that time. And that's really all it needs to be, in my opinion. If that's the only amount of money... I. Really quick in my head, that would cost maybe like 0.1 of a cent on sales tax. We, yeah. We could pay it. <laughs> like almost nothing. I mean, even our military <laughs> budget right now, they just raised it to $700 billion. And that's a crazy inflated price already because the people who create our weapons of war have no incentive to do anything cheaply at all because whatever they charge, the government will, will pay and then some. So uh, there's no incentive to ever do anything cheaper. Uh, So even $700 billion gets us the most powerful military in the world. And right now we got $4.1 trillion that the federal government takes in. What I really like about this is I feel like there's real accountability at the state level at that point where people have more of a voice. And if a state wants to just be super inefficient, well, you know, they're going to pay the price for that with higher taxes. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I I almost feel like this is what the founders had in mind the whole time, you know, like yeah. maybe something like much like in the, the states much were in the, control. The same spirit as the the senators, you know, all the states having an equal voice with the senators and everything. Yep. Um. It, next question. The next question on a state level: What is an acceptable level of government? I would say again, protecting liberty. It shouldn't be obviously shouldn't be intrusive into your life. Um, government like the founders said, is a necessary evil. So we know that once it gets bloated, state governments can be can trample your rights just as easily as a federal government can. So protecting rights has to be the first and foremost of any form of government. Now, this is where this gets a little bit weird for me because to, and this, I'm going to combine the last question in here. I okay. had written down, should people have a right to create tyranny for themselves? Um, I'm kind of okay with that. From the standpoint of the states are meant to have their own sovereignty, and if the citizens of those states want, they've got their basic rights that are protected by the federal government. We've established that. And so I think if the states want to, you know, try different kinds of systems and do different kinds of things, as long as they have real representation from, you know, from their local legislatures, I'm kind of okay with that. I feel like otherwise we're forcing one set of beliefs and views across the whole country. And we know that doesn't work. I'll take the the counter on this. Um, <laughs> I expected no less. All right. Um, I, so the question was, should people have a right to create tyranny for themselves at a state level? Um, I still would say no. The only time I would be okay with that is if 100% of the population voted for that tyranny. And that means every single person that lives in that in that place. Not 51% of them creating tyranny for all 100% of them, I don't think is okay. So when we talk about people creating tyranny for themselves, they're not just creating it for themselves, they're creating it for other people who didn't want that at the same time. They just happen to be a but smaller minority. The one beautiful part of this is, 
it, it, it really does foster competition between the states. And people would choose, productive people would have the option to go the way of John Galt and just move to another state that maybe wasn't being so stupid. But if the, uh, if the Constitution says that its job is to uh, protect life, liberty, and property, then can we be okay with the state going outside of that? Would be my question and just say, well, that, I mean, the state voted to go outside of that. I, I so, would say that's outside of the power of the federal government at that point. because, And I know we broke into this on some of the other episodes where we were talking about like cooperatives and things like that. I personally am kind of okay with that if the the people have the representation to vote on that. Um I I don't think that it's a that it's a terrible position to take on it. I just still I know it, it is better to keep all the power consolidated to the local level and then I want to fight that battle. Like my main thing is it let's at least get this down from the federal level down to Complete, the state level. Completely agree. And, and down and, to the and local. And I would support you fighting that level. Yeah. And I'm then just when okay we get it, and know? then when we get to that level it's a lot easier for a couple thousand of us to duke it out than than a hundred million people versus ninety nine million people. It's a lot harder to figure out what's best for everyone. It's a lot easier in your county to figure out. And this what's is one best. of those areas where we can kind of agree to disagree a little bit and say the overall principle is right here. There's a bunch of different ways to take care of this. But you're not saying like it would be okay for Alabama to institute slavery again. No, I'm not at, at all saying at that. I'm just level. saying that different states should be able to have different systems and different ways of life. That's kind of the, I feel like that's part of the whole point. Of so like having if California wanted, to, you know, California healthcare. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Or, or if, you know, a state wanted to have, they wanted to come together in their mind to try to find efficiencies and offer certain services and amenities or certain states that maybe people just didn't want to have to deal with everything and they were willing to give up more of their money to just have less things to be concerned with. I don't personally like that, but you know, I can't say that I should be able to force my opinions on other people. The good part about that is that it's a heck of a lot easier to move to another state than it is to move to another country. And that's kind of the whole idea behind the whole thing. We're supposed to be 50 separate states and that are treated like separate countries and uh, supposed to keep the power consolidated at a at the smallest level possible, which is what we all want. Yeah, this is you know, guys, this has been a fun episode. Yeah, I've liked it. It's been fantastic. Happy New Year, Charlie. Do you remember this episode? I do. I, I can't <laughs> wait to do trolling with Nate again. I want you to do some good material. Ooh, I'm going to start time. some. I'm going to start some real good arguments now that we're doing this segment. Feel for free sure. to bait him, guys. Hey, guys, hit us up on uh, Twitter at, at Big Freedom Show. I'll, I'll be on there. Hey, you're talking to Nate. He, yeah, he's going to own this. That's me. I do not lisp online. <laughs> <laughs> and stay tuned for everything we got coming on for 2018. It's going to be an exciting year. Yeah, we're going to try out all kinds of new stuff. Please hit us up at info at thebigfreedomshow.com. Share the show. Leave a review. We'd love it. We'll see you next time.